Moody Blues for you, your Rancher Radio podcast. We're doing something kind of different and interesting this time around. We're doing kind of like a three-part series focusing on one particular paper that I personally have always been particularly interested in, paper 195, which is the second to the last paper of the Arantia book. And it deals specifically with what, what it's called the modern problem. And in the last episode, we talked about the uh, sections 5, 6, and 7, where it goes over materialism and how science has adopted a very materialistic sort of way of viewing things, but it's sort of an impartial way of looking at true reality. And now we're going to talk about something from section 8, which is uh, titled uh, Secular Totalitarianism. And the Arantia Revelators talk about the dangers inherent in that kind of social system. So we'll get to all that as we continue our three-part series. And then in the next section, we'll address uh, section nine, which is about Christianity and what Christianity needs to do to rehabilitate itself so it can assist us in getting to that age where we really start to put Jesus's teachings uh, into motion. And so we'll get to all that as we continue on the Arantia Radio podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Arantia Radio podcast, where we talk about a specific section of the book. And in our previous podcast, we concentrated on paper 195, entitled Secular Totalitarianism. Uh, And it's kind of an interesting chapter because, again, the revelators have taken us through paper 195 from after Pentecost to the present day and then forecasting the future. They specifically are addressing the social uh, evolution of our current day and are actually giving us warning as to why these these directions in social progress are highly dangerous and very destructive. And they're basically warning us not to take this path. Their ideal situation for this modern society is that they want us to take a spiritual road. They want to have us incorporate spirit reality and mental reality as part of the totality of overall reality, which is what we discussed in the previous video when they talked about materialism and how the scientist is only evaluating the physical aspect of the universe and not giving any regard to the spirit or mindal functions that are also part of reality. So if you missed that video, go back and watch that. But this one is also very exciting because now we're going to get to... Remember, this book was written uh, around the time that communism was making its mark and secular totalitarianism was now becoming a major political force, i.e. countries like China that adopt a very oppressive, strict rule of governing. And that's what they address head on here. And they're warning us, don't take this path. So let's go ahead and read from section eight, secular totalitarianism. But even after materialism and mechanism have been more or less vanquished, the devastating influences of 20th century secularism will still blight the spiritual experience of millions of unsuspecting souls. Modern secularism has been fostered by two worldwide influences. The father of secularism was the narrow-minded and godless attitude of the 19th and 20th century so-called science. They call it atheistic science. The mother of modern secularism was the totalitarian medieval Christian church. Have you ever given thought to that? 
Listen to this. Secularism had its inception as a rising protest against the almost complete domination of Western civilization by the institutionalized Christian church. And now they're going back to the 14th, 15th, 16th century. And remember that the church was, was basically the ruling political party. At the time of this revelation, the prevailing intellectual and philosophical climate of both European and American life is decidedly secular. For 300 years, Western thinking has been progressively secularized. Religion has become more and more a nominal influence, largely a ritualistic exercise. The majority of professed Christians of Western civilization are unwittingly actual secularists. So they're telling us how things have evolved and what secularism has become as an, as an influence in society. It required a great power, a mighty influence, to free the thinking and living of the Western people from the withering grasp of a totalitarian ecclesiastical domination. Secularism did break the bonds of church control, and now in turns it threatens to establish a new and godless type of mastery over the hearts and minds of modern men. The tyrannical and dictatorial political state is the direct offspring of scientific materialism and philosophic secularism. Secularism no sooner frees man from the domination of the institutionalized church than it sells him into slavish bondage to the totalitarian state. Secularism frees man from ecclesiastical slavery only to betray him into the tyranny of political and economic slavery. Materialism denies God. Secularism simply ignores him. At least that was the earlier attitude. More recently, secularism has assumed a more militant attitude, assuming to take the place of the religion whose totalitarian bondage it one time resisted. 20th century secularism tends to affirm that man does not need God. But beware, this godless philosophy of human society will lead only to unrest, animosity, unhappiness, war, and worldwide disaster. Secularism can never bring peace to mankind. Nothing can take the place of God in human society. But mark you well, do not be quick to surrender the beneficent gains of the secular revolt from ecclesiastical totalitarianism. Western civilization today enjoys many liberties and satisfactions as a result of the secular revolt. The great mistake of secularism was this. In revolting against the almost total control of the life by religious authority, and after attaining the liberation from such ecclesiastical tyranny, the secularist went on to institute a revolt against God himself, sometimes tacitly and sometimes openly. To the secularistic revolt, you owe the amazing creativity of American industrialism and the unprecedented material progress of Western civilization. And because the secularistic revolt went too far and lost sight of God and true religion, there also followed the unlooked-for harvest of world wars and international unsettledness. We went too far, but we've come to a state now where religion 
that's not that's not true. That's not science. But it's left people unsettled, and it's given government more power. That's really what they're saying here: is that the the power shifted from the church to the government. Except that the government doesn't use God as authority. The church did. The church was oppressive and totalitarianistic for 300 years. And it still continues to be oppressive in many parts of the world today, just under a different name. It is not necessary to sacrifice faith in God in order to enjoy the blessings of the modern secularistic revolt. Tolerant social service, democratic government, and civil liberties... It was not necessary for the secularist to antagonize true religion in order to promote science and to advance education. But secularism is not the sole parent of all of these recent gains in the enlargement of living. Behind the gains of the 20th century are not only science and secularism, but also the unrecognized and unacknowledged spiritual workings of the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. Without God, without religion, scientific secularism can never coordinate its forces, harmonize its divergent and rivalrous interests, races, and nationalism. This secularistic human society, notwithstanding its unparalleled materialistic achievement, is slowly disintegrating. The chief cohesive force resisting this disintegration of antagonism is nationalism. Nationalism is the chief barrier to world peace. So it's interesting. In one level, nationalism is a good thing because it resists disintegration. On the other hand, world peace can't coexist with nationalism. But what's the answer? What's the solution? God. If everyone believed that they had a stake in the game, if everyone could realize that personal connection with the living force in their mind, and recognize it as the spiritual presence of a deity that would bring cohesive forces together. What do they say? It would harmonize the divergent and rivalrous interests, races, and nationalism. So there are clear benefits to nationalism. But can nationalism become globalism? That would be the interesting thing. Under the circumstance of a single planet, not likely. But if we became aware of our planet in the context of other worlds, how would that change? We could have nationalism on a global scale because our planet is ours. It's the one that we have. It's the one that we protect. That could bring people together. The inherent weakness of secularism is that it discards ethics and religion for politics and power. You simply cannot establish the brotherhood of men and women while ignoring or denying the fatherhood of God. Secular, social, and political optimism is an illusion. Without God, neither freedom and liberty nor property and wealth will lead to peace. The complete secularization of science, education, industry, and society can only lead to disaster. During the first third of the 20th century, your ancients killed more human beings than were killed during the whole of the Christian dispensation up to that time. And it is only the beginning of the dire harvest of materialism and secularism. Still more terrible destruction is yet to come. So what can save us? 
Well, we'll explore that in Section 9 of Paper 195. And thank you so much for stopping by this broadcast. Ooh. Mm-hmm.